I want to thank Bill for inviting me to speak, to speak this morning. It is a real honor, and thank you. Of course, you know we are living in dangerous times, and you here in this beautiful state, here in Portland, you know firsthand of the danger, the wildfires and the smoke, the long-term drought that provided so much kindling, the fear of evacuations in this time of the novel coronavirus, and all of this alongside the other pandemic of institutional white supremacy and racism that is a real danger and threat to people's lives, especially black lives indigenous people's lives, people of color, and non-people of color who are accomplices in the work of racial justice. And another danger, every person in this country, regardless of political persuasion, is facing, and the uncertainty is the uncertainty of fair and free elections and the preservation of our democracy. All of this can create such fear, fill our hearts with such dread. All of this can cause us to turn inward, to shut down and cut ourselves off from other people and the world. It's understandable. And for some of us, we may need to do this from time to time, to recommit ourselves to spiritual practices that bring healing that puts us in touch with the gratitude we have for the blessings in our lives. And sometimes we need to have a time out for rest, to find some peace. In my early days in this faith, the Reverend Bill Hamilton Hallway would often offer a blessing toward the end of the service. He would say in part, if I were to wish you peace, it would be peace to rest, to reflect, and to make ready for the coming day. I appreciated the reminder and the permission for rest, but it was rest toward a purpose, to make ready, because this faith calls us into action not all of us doing the same thing at the same time, but we are called in many ways to do the actions that we can do so that we all might have an abundant life in the midst of the whole painful and beautiful shared reality in which we live. And in living this, it requires real courage we have ancestors in this faith that exhibited such courage, that chose the difficult path of living lives of value, living them out loud and proclaiming that good news. We have leaders today who question and struggle and demand that we become who we say we are, that we do the work of love, for ourselves, our neighbors, for this faith and this country. Living this faith 
our values and our principles into daily practice is a way of creating an abundant life of meaning, purpose, and joy. An abundant life is possible when truth is told. One of our principles speaks directly to this, that we promote and affirm the responsible search for truth and meaning. And if we are paying attention, we can hear truth daily. One of the things that I appreciate about the Poor People's Campaign for a Moral Re Revival, led by the Reverend Dr. William Barber and Reverend Liz Theo Harris, is the truth they hold up when they challenge us that if we want to change the narrative, we have to change the narrators. Changing the narrators to hear more truth expands and enriches everyone. The peaceful protests that have happened in this city and around our country are telling the truth. When we hear people's truth, allow ourselves to take it in, transformation can happen. Truth-telling and the ability to hear it and act on that truth requires courage. It is a place to begin if change is going to come. And how, how we are in need of change. As individuals, we are in need of transition and change from despair to hope, from apathy to engagement, from feelings of passive helplessness to active emboldened action. And as we make these transitions within ourselves, our nation, too, can experience its own desperately needed transition. A transition from a federal, self-serving, power-abusing, freedom-denying administration to one that upholds, enhances, and ensures freedom and liberty for every person living in this country. And it requires our active engagement to ensure that happens. Transitions are possible when we create community and keep ourselves and our congregations open to all who are longing for a healing faith. When we do the deep work of radical welcome that our transgendered leaders through the Transforming Hearts Collectives are calling us to do. The spiritual growth that we nurture in our small groups and our worship services help us treat members and friends of the congregation and the larger community with respect, with humility, and generous actions toward one another. The spiritual growth that we nurture also inspires and empowers us to act on our values to help heal the world. Courageous transitions do not happen solely on the actions of one individual. Rather, transition and courageous change are the results of numerous people in a variety of roles doing their part to bring about the change we need. For the national change we need, we must find encouragement and empowerment 
in our fifth principle that says we affirm and promote the right of conscience and the use of democratic process within our congregations and in society at large. The right of conscience is the result of the fourth principle, that responsible search for truth. When we are doing the work of the fourth principle, then the fifth can come into view. The theotheologies within Unitarian Universalism locates healing and wholeness in relationship with one another and with the earth. Our own 2019 Statement of Conscience, titled Our Democracy Uncorrupted, can act as a guide. It states that we, as people of faith, locate hope for addressing social problems in being open to diverse perspectives and building connections. And we are learning to understand more deeply the truth of our universalism that says we have commitments beyond our congregations. Excluding our neighbors' voices impoverishes our souls. Hearing all expands our spirits. Our faith calls us into living the requirements. It calls us to live into the requirements of real democracy. There is much more in this statement. I hope you'll go to the UUA's website to read it more fully. What is needed to live into the requirements of a real democracy? This has become a haunting question for me. By the time I took some time off back in August, I have to admit I was bone weary, struggling with real doubt about our government, about our country and the crises we face. I needed some rest and a break and I acknowledge the real privilege of having a vocation, which means I can still work mostly from home and that this vocation offers benefits like paid time off. This is a blessing for which I am grateful. And in that time off, with no email or meetings, I read and rested, took long walks with my wife, and one day even allowed myself to randomly watch some episodes of Star Trek. One of the episodes I watched from Deep Space Nine was about an unknown virus attacking the crew. Tried to get away from reality. The other episode I watched from The Next Generation was an episode focused on made-up conspiracies that promoted fear and suspicion and that had the power of the state coming down to incarcerate one person on unproven charges. Now, because it was Star Trek, a cure for the virus was found by the end of the episode. The only remedy in the other episode, said the captain, the only remedy to corrupt power and tyranny is vigilance. Timothy Snyder's important book on tyranny, 20 Lessons from the 20th Century, reminds us in many ways that vigilance is crucial for a democracy to thrive. He defines tyranny as the usurpation of power by a single individual or group 
or the circumvention of law by rulers for their own benefit. Vigilance to what is happening makes a difference and sometimes can create space for change and transformation. And what I appreciate about this book is the encouragement and sense of empowerment I experienced while reading it. There are multiple ways to remain vigilant and create courageous space for change. We've seen this already through the leadership of the multiple peaceful protests of Black Lives Matter and the impact that those protests have had on various cities and states as they enter into deep conversation about reallocating funds and what does public safety really mean. We've also seen vigilance at work when people became aware of and raised their voices and protested the changes being forced on the United States Postal Service. When the clamor became too loud, questionable changes were halted and investigations were opened. Snyder writes, life is political, not because the world cares about how you feel, but because the world reacts to what you do. The minor choices we make are themselves a kind of vote, making it more or less likely that free and fair elections will be held in the future. In the politics of the everyday, our words and our gestures or their absence count very much. Mr. Snyder also wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post not that long ago about what we as a country should be learning from Belarus. And I think it's an instructive article for possible future action in this country. We have seen in the news how courageous citizens of that country, after decades of autocratic rule, protested the latest rigged election and are making their voices heard and hopefully creating space by their courageous action. He writes, Belarusians teach us what I would call the six P's of defending an electoral victory against authoritarian chaos. Preparation, predominance, protest, peace, persistence, and pluralism. Preparation means understanding that your local authoritarian will spoil the election and planning in advance. Predominance means getting out the vote and winning by a wide margin so everyone will know that the authoritarian is lying about the results. Protest means taking to the streets when the authoritarian makes their move. Peace means keeping demonstrations non-violent as the regime discredits itself with violence. Persistence means coming back anyway the next day and the day after that. And pluralism is a summons to a large diversity of groups to be involved like workers and doctors and women and more. Democracy, he writes, is a value 
so it must be valued. Democracy is a practice, and so it must be practiced. If we want it, we have to open ourselves to learning from others and then be prepared to take responsibility for ourselves. I know, given the current pandemic, health pandemic, many of us can't be in the streets, but your voice can still be heard in many ways. And we must do everything we can to turn out the vote. Maybe if you're on the younger, healthier end of the spectrum, you might become a poll worker. You can get trained, wear a mask, keep social distance, and keep polls open and accessible. Being a poll worker is nonpartisan, and training is available. And this is one way to go from being passive to active. Another way to transition from isolation to connection and engagement is to join with community partners, get educated about the issues on the ballot. Again, not partisan work, but rather actively participating in our own governance. So what is a courageous act that you can do? What truth do you need to tell? What truth do you need to hear? What principle is getting you excited or challenging you to live it more fully? One of our church members, Wilda Jones Schaefer, was a powerful example of taking this faith and its principles, and especially the fifth, quite seriously in her daily life. She was passionate and she in her years of retirement before she died, every Friday morning would call her elected officials at the local, state, and national level. She would call them and discuss a variety of issues with staff who answered the phone. She built relationships with them and expressed her views based on our UU values for the change that we need. She was so vigilant with her phone calls that those staffers, when they picked up the phone and heard the person say hello, they knew it was her. They respected Wilda and her knowledge. They respected her commitment and vigilance of the work. She treated them with care, built relationships, and made a difference. Courage and change are needed, and we, through vigilance and practice, can each do our part to bring about the change and live into the creation of real democracy, doing the work of love. May it be so. Blessed be. I'd like to invite you now into a moment, a time of prayer and meditation. Spirit of love, spirit of life, there is so much that we need right now. And even in our neediness, we are grateful that we can be present to this moment, that we have blessings and gifts that can be used for the common good. Because we have been 
together in this shared space, hearing these words, hearing the music, because we have experienced this, may we gather strength and ready ourselves for the coming day. May we reach out. May we find courage to do that next right thing, that next right step in following love's call, in following the call for justice. May we use our gifts wisely and be the change we need. Amen.